Hey, this is Alex Kohler and you are listening to the GTM Mastery Podcast. In today's episode, we will talk about how to really nail cold calling with my guest, Noah Macchiola. Enjoy. If you can't learn how to close, you better start thinking about another career. And I am deadly serious about that. The reason for the call today, John, is something just came across my desk, John. It is perhaps the best thing I've seen in the last six months. If you have 60 seconds, I'd like to share the idea with you. Hello, Noah. How are you? Hello, Alex. I'm great. Love the energy. How are you? Yeah, I'm very, very fine uh, that we meet again. We know each other, I think, since a year, one and a half years. We met in Barcelona then. Pretty much. We met when I first moved here, randomly talked to you at, to, at a WeWork. Yeah. One year and uh, from then on connected each month, updated, cool. learned together. And now we're doing a podcast about cold calling and how to be successful at cold calling and um looking pretty much forward to this since a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, and, you know, maybe we start by you introducing yourself or telling a bit more about you, what you do, um, what your role at MongoDB currently includes, and also very important, why do you work in sales? Sure, uh, let me get a, give you a brief overview. So uh, when I was studying, um, I tried to, to do e-commerce, uh, as an entrepreneur, um, I did e-commerce, did also consulting there. Then through consulting, I found that I actually like talking to people. I like the selling part. I like to motivate people to do new things and to make a change and switched over to sales. Uh, I'm fully like, I really, really like sales. I think it's a great opportunity um, in terms of, yeah, I mean, you, you get the most valuable skill in the world. If you think about it, it's the best paid skill in the world as well, right? Because people who can uh, negotiate the biggest deals in the world, they are super, super valuable. Um, and I think that is also like, uh, I mean, if you learn sales, you can uh, use that for every part of your life, um, no matter what, even with your girlfriend, with your with your wife, um, with your friends, whoever, like it just makes you overall more social uh, confident and then you know how you navigate social situations. So. Yeah, I love sales. I think it's uh, great. And I think you can change a lot with it. Absolutely true. Yeah, I, I know that the dating reference happens often and also often heard of it. Don't know why, but uh, seems to have a correlation there. And um, what would be great also is in short, because I know, you know, MongoDB is a big company. Um, if you could share a bit more that how do you approach sales at MongoDB? Sure. Um, and first of all, I forgot to, to do say what I'm doing at MongoDB. So I'm an account development representative, which means that I work with our um, enterprise customers, our biggest customers, and I'm there to, to set up new meetings. So basically, yeah, setting up new meetings, removing work from the people who close the deals at the end of the day. And I also am doing discovery meetings and forwarding the most important stuff to my uh, colleagues. Yeah. So uh, can you repeat the other question, please, Alex? So, so it was, uh, how do you approach sales in, at MongoDB in, in, in short? Yeah, sure. I can give you an insight. So with MongoDB to kind of give the hearers here a background, MongoDB is a software product, which is basically a, a database and we offer a managed database solution 
um, as you may know, it's like getting more and more important these days um, in terms of being tech forward, being fast and developing new applications. Through COVID, uh, applications are more or less the center. And we try to be um, most likely strategic partners to our um, customers or to our partners, how we like to call them. Um, we try to build really strong partnerships with them. MongoDB is now over 10 years in the market, but still in the IT space, um, when you will remove or change a database, this is something really core, which um, may take years to do um, or to negotiate such deals. Um, so we try to be like really strategic about where we are in those accounts, where can we have the most value. So there is a strong focus about that, because if we know where we are most relevant and where we have our strengths and where actually the customer has like huge pain points, then like this makes every step behind that way easier, right? Um, because the, the customer actually has like a huge pain and he wants to solve it. Um, so yeah, that's mainly basically how, how we approach sales among you. Great. And so I would say we switch now to the topic why we are both here. Yeah. Cold calling. So, um, it was the topic that you actually yourself um, proposed to talk about. Um, and I think it's great. Yeah. Statistically, actually the most effective sales channel. So what is to introduce the topic? What is, what do you think about cold calling as a sales channel? And what do you think are the main benefits that it brings with it? Yeah, I'm a big enthusiast about code calling, uh, let's say. Um, I mainly like to call people because you just get like instant feedback, right? You know if you are at the right spot, you know their objections. And yeah, you can like book a meeting so fast. And especially if you have the right talk track, if you know where you are in the count, if you know how to do it, then this is like super effective and yeah, that's, that's why I do it. I prefer it rather than sending an email into the abyss, never hearing of them, or like maybe getting one out of 20 emails uh, answered positively. I just like to get the feedback directly and, and maybe they give me also more input, right? Maybe they have like a valid objection. Maybe they uh, target you towards a different uh, business unit where actually they have those pains. And um, yeah, so I think it's super effective and also personally fun to do. Super effective, but a lot of people are scared of it. Why do you think that is and where does it come from? I think it's um, like a really basic instinct, like our fear of rejection, especially in the social terms. Like we are so scared, like what are they going to say? It's kind of a black box. Sometimes people <laughs> may not have a LinkedIn, so you don't even know who this guy really is. You just know he's like a decision maker, let's say director of operations for whatever company. Um, you don't know this guy. You don't even sometimes know if he talks English, German or whatever. So there is like a, like a huge anxiety of the unknown and, and of the rejection. And I think most people have that or maybe everyone has that. Um, but as soon as you get over it, um, if you talk about like comfort zone and so on, you can actually like grow a lot. Um, also outside of sales, also in your private life, because you are used to talking to new people. And I mean, it's really understandable that people have a, the fear of being rejected, especially on the phone. It can be harsh, right? Some people can uh, be, be really, yeah. Yeah. Mean. Pissed and mean. Pissed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we, again, could do the, the reference to dating here. I think uh, it's the same there. Um, if you don't try, uh, you probably get rejected, but uh, yeah. 
you have a, you have the chance of reward if but if you never try you will never win of course and, and so um, many people right so many people saying i would love to have a dating life they're good looking guys and you tell them hey just say hello and see what happens especially if the girls are already looking but yeah that's another story and i think yeah. there's a huge fear of rejection people yeah. <laughs> maybe we do another episode on that uh, someday <laughs> on another podcast but anyway so to dive deeper into the topic again um how do you really structure your cold call high level um so what are the parts that you can split up every cold call into um and how do you approach this yeah um, let's split it up into, into three different things. Um, so the preparation of a cold call, the like re where you do the cold call and then like what you do after cold call, right? Um, let's start with the preparation. Um, I can give you like uh, really good insights there. I would say overall, um, first, like before you do cold calling, know in which company you do it because that determines how how easy or how hard it will be so be sure you join the right company or soonly join the right company um and then when you you really try to to prepare so let's say you're an sdr an adr um usually you do a lot of calling right um but you want to go further than just like calling people and having your talk track you i would suggest people to really understand the account and the strategy and to, to get in contact with those people who actually like are responsible for the account strategy. So your enterprise account executive or whoever it is, your account manager, and, and really go into that because that will help you a lot when people have objections. That will help you a lot of in, in terms of finding the right people because you actually know where you are right now with this account and what's the next kind of goals. And uh, this differentiates a lot um, when you're calling uh, people. Then the other thing about preparing, um, depending on how you do it in your company, um, you need to do like a PG uh, list, like a pipeline generation list with your targets that you are yeah, targeting, let's say, yeah, prospects. And um, what I try to do or when you, you can you can filter them sometimes, right? Maybe you want to target a certain location, a certain language. You want to target certain people because with every director, you have kind of the same talk track of every software engineer. So I would say there is also um, a way to be to be more effective of using those PG lists intentionally. Um, and then you can sort them really for for like some low hanging fruit. Um, I can give you an example. An example for IT is when you're, you're calling into, into developers or into the IT department, people that don't have a LinkedIn usually tend to be more uh, have more social anxiety and not like to be called. But people who have a LinkedIn and they have like 500 contacts, you know, they're super open about them. They post a lot on LinkedIn. Those are the kind of people that are really cool for you to to reach out to, right? Because they're super open. Maybe they would even take a meeting just to brainstorm about new new innovation stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So just that. Um, and what I do also in overall preparement, um, I love it, is like a meditation. Um, sounds a bit out of scope but uh, i think it helps a lot keeping you in the right mood um making and it can change your attitude too. and if your attitude is good your cold calls will be better um this is like overall preparation should i go also into like what i do before call yeah like would be interesting call. but before would be maybe interesting how often do you meditate and how how do you use it and how what includes that that part yeah 
Um, I would say I'm like, I'm doing it really irregularly, right? Um, just yesterday, for example, I did it, uh, like, uh, kind of a appreciation, uh, meditation where you're like, appreciate people around you that you work with or like in your family, but you also appreciate yourself. And I think especially I can just talk from my own perspective as a man, we men tend to not appreciate ourselves. We just like, oh, we could do this better, this better, this better. Of course, you can always do better. Um, but like it's it's huge powers that you can um, access, in my opinion, if you can like honor what you've already done and appreciate it. That doesn't mean you're sleeping the next day. That doesn't mean you're going less to less the next day. Um, it just means you're aware that you you're you're a good person, let's say, or that you um, are trying really hard. And uh, yeah, that helps me a lot uh, to be more positive, to be also nicer to other people, right? Because if you think you're a cool guy or you're a good person, it's so much easier to to help other people be more happy and smiling, let's say. Um, Absolutely. But there's lots of different uh, the adaptations to meditation. I think there's also for different people, different meditations. Some it's breath meditation, some it's self-love. Others may have other topics. Mm -hmm. Great, great. So it's mainly to basically increase your self-worth when you have, for example, a bad day. Yeah, exactly. And uh, also the clarity of thinking. Like when you meditate, you're usually way more structured, way more calm. Um, you have lay, way less like um, thought wandering, I think it's called, when your thoughts after a couple of seconds go to just a random topic. Um, this happens less when you meditate more. So you have more time that your brain is actually focused on work. Cool. Thank you so much for that. Um, I would say we now touch a bit deeper on the cold calling prep. So all yeah. three of the initial parts. And I would say we start with the prep. So how do you really segment and identify the right target audience for cold calling? Um, because I often see people that are just calling people that are maybe also even out of their ICP or they haven't even identified a concrete niche so what is like the trigger there that you have i'd say the main trigger is relevance um relevance and understanding your market right if you're in a startup and your ceo even doesn't understand the market then of course you're going to have a harder time cold calling people because you're going to be un unrelevant right or people would say hey why are you even calling me i have nothing to do with this and that's a process right that's the process that the, the company has to go through but um, if you're in such a developed, like big tech company, let's say, you usually have an ICP. You usually know what a kind of um, decision process could look like, even though saying in IT that just changes a lot right now. And there's uh, every company is a bit different. Sometimes the decisions are made low level, sometimes really high level. Um, but yeah, like if you understand who drives those decisions, who has that pain day to day, and how to be relevant to them and maybe stick out of it, then you kind of always know who to who to target, you know. Um, for example, in the HR industry that you work in, Alexander, usually the people with the pain is the guy who needs to fill that position. Um, meanwhile, the recruiter has like a kind of different pain. They just get like pressure from their boss, but they don't really have the pain that they have like a worker less. So for example, in the HR industry, it can be sometimes really valuable to, to talk to the folks who actually have the, the business pain, right? And you tell them, hey, we've done this with the other company as well. We have a pretty good success rate here. Would you mind me introducing you to, to the recruiter or to the guy who does those decisions? Um, 
yeah, I think if you know where, where to attack and, and how to be relevant to them, that's uh, where you differentiate a lot. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And especially in my industry, a lot of people sadly get that wrong uh, and target the wrong people and therefore um, have very, very little sales success. So do you have any plans or plans, I would say, do you have any steps that you initially take before every cold call that maybe somebody of the audience can also use right now? Yeah, definitely. So um, what, what I do is like, I always go through the LinkedIn. If they have a LinkedIn, I try to see what kind of person they are. Sometimes you see there, they look really dominant in their picture. So they're probably like, uh, they want to be like really fast, really, you need to be really concise with them. Otherwise they just cut you off. Maybe you see they're like super social guys who like nature, whatever. Um, then they are a bit more soft, right? Then you have, maybe those are the kinds of people easier to get a meeting, but they will just ghost you. So there you need to make sure that the meeting is actually secured more. Um, so after I looked into their LinkedIn, I tried to make some notes because sometimes I get like ideas of how to be more relevant besides my general talk track or besides my talk track for their business unit. Um, so I always do those notes into my PG list because also if you don't reach them, you still have the note and the next time you're calling, you're more effective because you already have in your PG list the notes of what you want to um, adjust in your talk track towards them. Um, and I'm, yeah, then I'm asking myself also, would I take, like, why would I take this meeting? If I was him, why would I take this meeting? Would I take this meeting, right? With the talk track that I currently have. And if your honest answer is no, then you should definitely work on your talk track. And, or uh, if it's a startup, maybe together with your head of sales or your CEO, find out how you can be more relevant, right? How can people really want to take a meeting with you? Because think if you have the relevance towards a pain point and you can differentiate there's a high chance that people actually want to take that meeting. But are you then listening to your calls or record them and listening or really watching the transcripts and then analyzing like, hey, I need to improve this and that? Mm, no, we don't. We don't ever record calls um, in, in the DAG market. Um, you could uh, listen to calls from other people, right? It's always good to, to have some like really good examples. I think that's good. Um, But I can I can go into it um, what I do then like meanwhile the call and and after the call um, because there we I can go into that a bit more um, yeah. so so while I'm calling I will have my usually my his LinkedIn open I have my talk track open and um, some maybe when I would start I would have like a separate uh, script or a separate uh, notes for like objection handling um, which is super helpful at the beginning I think and if you get more and more into it, I think you, you're, you just have like your, your, your automatisms there. And then after the meeting, um, usually I, I try to, first of all, log it into Salesforce or into my PG list, right? Like either red flag him, like not talk to him again, or put it in the system. Um, what I, or also put the, the lift, like the new information that I get into the system. Um, And then if you call with a partner, right, um, that can be also good. Then you could hit a partner who's maybe more senior than you. He can give you direct feedback on every call. And also you can give your more senior guy every, like, every call feedback. Um, and that can be also really, really helpful. And then like a little caveat for people who are uh, in bigger companies, I also always do like an end of week mail. Uh, where, I, where I basically send to my manager and all the executives that work with me 
kind of a summary of my week. And I also put those booked meetings in. This is just like about visibility and um, it will help you a lot when you're going to get promoted because you're in that constant loop every end of week and you're showing up every week. And I think that's also something to consider in, co in smaller companies. So um, I think every CEO and founder, even if you're like two people, you're the rep and only with the founder. Yeah. Um, really? Also, they appreciated it much, I would say. Yeah. Sure. And another thing I want to touch on is scripts. So I, me personally, scripts helped me a lot um, to get just confidence in the call or even more confidence. How do you approach it personally or even at MongoDB? I think in general, um, everyone has probably their own, um, their own way of doing it. I've noticed also MongoDB, people have their own way of doing it. We give a lot of freedom to, to people and to try out new stuff, to, to reuse old stuff, adjust it. So there's like, um, there's trends, but there is not like the one way to do it. And there's people successful with, with a calling script. There's people successful without one. Um, at the end of the day, it's about being relevant and being concise. And if you have a talk, uh, talk track, um, I think it helps you to be more precise. Um, I'm a fan of, of having a general, a general script and then adjusting the script, um, towards each, uh, use case that we're targeting with, with those clients, um, just to be really concise. And after I got that down, um, I'm also able to, to make it more, yeah, to, to switch out certain parts of it. Right. And to be more relevant to that individual target. Um, but yeah, in general, I would say it's, it's an effective thing to do. But you really say your script looks like, for example, an email that you write to a prospect, just like, um, and you have like, um, personalized steps, for example, Hey, first name or Hey, and then personalization, um, where you really fill in your findings. Mm, it can be really different, right? So there's probably, there is some templates where they are like really really structured, really rigid. Um, but then at the end of the day, every, everyone that I saw kind of uses their own talk track. Like they have mm -hmm. a script, let's say, but they have it like super customized, like for each, uh, business unit or for each thing that they do. And then they use that, let's say for hundred people or 50 people, depending on how big that, uh, business unit is. Um, but at the end of the day, like for one application, a development team can be small. And then that development team is. In, like is like with different kind of stakeholders. So you have an engineer, you have an architect and so on. So you will, will probably have to have to uh, customize it anyway. And you said it's like an email. I mean, I would, I would say it's not like an email structured uh, because you have the, the advantage of having instant feedback, right? And you want to give that prospect, that person on the other end, give them the opportunity to open up also on the phone. Um, give them the opportunity to say yes multiple times, right? Um, for like, for example, um, I, I like, do you have a minute right now? Or um, you probably don't know me, but you know this company. Yes, I know your company. Uh, is it okay if I jump to the point? Yes, of course, because you want to know why you called. Um, and and in, including this, and now I'm trying out also some some things of instead of like just running through my script and then saying, Hey, are you free this time? I'm trying out some, some false, um, assumptions, like, 
and you can do, do that. I think we're really good when you're PGing into like doing pipeline generation into existing clients, um, but also maybe into into new clients. Like, hey, um, you're as far as I've seen, you're not currently uh, working with us, right? Yes, we're not mm -hmm. currently working with you, but you worked with this team. Yeah, yeah, we worked with this team. And and then he opens up, maybe he gives you some insights. Like, yeah, I didn't try it out, but I heard of you. Um, and he gives you more infos. And then I would do it a bit more naturally um, because sometimes um, that, like this just makes it more familiar. And it increases also the chance that he actually wants to take that meeting and it differentiates you as a seller because he sees that you're actually curious about him and not curious just like booking a meeting no matter what. Um, mm -hmm. And this is maybe also a caveat I can give like after booking the call, I always try to make sure, like I, I try to book the call, but then qualify him out of the call. <laughs> like uh, if the mm -hmm. call is in the calendar, I'm asking him, hey, like just one last question. They always say yes, because they want to get the hell off of the phone with you. Um, yeah. And you can then ask him, hey, what, what would we need to talk about so that you say this was the best call of the week? Or that you say this call was was a success, and he's gonna give give it to you. He's gonna give those informations to you. He says like, "I want this. I want this." Or yeah, when just like a general brainstorming about your topic and an intro. Okay, fine. But maybe he gives you specific uh, pain points, and then you can prepare with your team about those meetings way more specific, right? Uh, I even had some cases where they were like, yeah, we have this technical decision and we could include an, an, an SA in our meeting and create way more value for him and, and drive the first like the first steps of a new deal. Mm -hmm. And very, very interesting topic also, um, how you basically um, are then qualifying him out to get more information and uh, making the next step, uh, which is the discovery call more successful. Um, what would you say, um, how, how do you build this connection? You said saying yes is a big part of it, but how do you really build the connection with the prospect? Yeah, good point. Um, I think first is your tonality, right? If you mm -hmm. are confident, but like confident, dominant, but friendly, mm -hmm. that like people tend to feel really secure about those people, right? This is usually like how leaders talk to their people. And this is what makes people follow and what attracts people. So this is like a huge part um, if you come into like this. And I think also like your besides your tonality, your general attitude of you actually want to help this guy and maybe he can help you as well, like more of a collaborative partnership kind of thing. And then I think the third part is like maybe you're super relevant towards him, like towards what how he is on LinkedIn, what you already know about him, whatever, and also to his pains, right? Like you shouldn't talk when his his pain is here and you're pay you're talking just all the other side, of course you're gonna be he's gonna be a bit pissed about it, right? Because you're stealing his time now. And um the fourth part is maybe also is probably like dropping like internal stuff. Like if you're already, if it's an existing account, you you know who are the teams around him, you know um, his boss maybe personally, or you know like a use case within his district, whatever, right? You drop those internals and they're going to open up. And you can even do those with new accounts. You just um, need to read into um, information, let's say on the annual report, which no other people do. 
or like not too many, let's say, and then you drop those things and he thinks like, oh shit, you're actually like a consultant or like an internal guy or how do you know that, right? And he's going to be way more open to actually share those informations, which maybe are confidential, but just share it on the phone because he thinks like, hey, he knows so much about us. Like, let's go deep into it already on the on the cold call. So yeah. I think those four things can help a lot. Really good. And you also mentioned um, that this consultative approach in modern sales is uh, where we are, yeah, to cut through the noise, yeah, to cut through the spam that's happening a lot. Um, yeah. Of course, objections is also a big, big part of it. So um, objections, rejections are common in cold calls and probably deserve its, its own episode. Um, so how do you handle them effectively and pivot the conversation if needed? Um, good question. I would say in general, pattern interrupt is your biggest friend. So when, um, when people have an objection, salespeople tend to say, yes, I understand. Mm -hmm. And then do whatever the fuck. Yeah. But, um, what I would say is like, if you interrupt, so let's say I'm not the right guy. Oh, I thought you were the solution architect for this application. Is that right? Ah, yes, I am. Ah, okay. So now we can talk, right? And now I can frame also my the way why I want to book this meeting and also what the meeting is about, right? You can reframe this. You can say, hey, this is not a sales call. This is to understand if you have topics and from what I've seen, this and this is this is what could be really insightful for you. Um, and then I go, oh, okay, yeah, of course. Because sometimes people are scared also that it, we, we have like a certain um, expectation to that meeting or that people have to prepare something for that meeting, right? Um, so sometimes it's also just a misunderstanding on, on their end or like a cultural misunderstanding sometimes if you're international. Um, mm. So I would say pattern interrupt is your biggest friend and it opens up uh, new, new ways um, new ways of doing it like i try to just be different with that and also do my own stuff like if you have in a company you have an objection handling script would go through it um read it out loud and then you can note down what you would say try out your yeah. own because that's one yeah. be more, more natural absolutely absolutely great answer there i would say um you also mentioned before that you're not recording any calls at, uh, at mongodb so how do you then create feedback loops and get better? Yeah, so um, the recording is also about the GDPR, right? And DAG, yeah. um, I think, mainly. Um, so we don't have that. But if people are in the room, let's say, and they can listen to you, they can give you feedback. So mm -hmm. um, that's, that's probably the main feedback loop we have. Um, but yeah, that's, that's it, I guess. So um, you're basically an office company, so you don't, don't have remote people type of? Yeah, I mean, you have remote people, but it's harder for them um, than to get those feedbacks, right? And mm -hmm. also we do a lot of calling. I'm just alone, I guess, um, where you just don't have a feedback loop. Um, but if you want, you can have certain sessions to it or you can... You can uh, do that as a focus topic inside your your team, let's say, or you can connect with one of the best performers. They're happy to usually share their knowledge 
drop a session about it, do a one-on-one -on -one with you, do practice runs, do practice runs with your with your managers um, or with managers across other teams. So there is a huge emphasis on sharing knowledge, and I think it's super valuable as well. Also, um, also between uh, sometimes cultures or like internationally wise, because there's just like new ideas from America or there's a new idea from Asia, um, which maybe works in Dach, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think, and I think also that um, if you have this direct feedback, yeah, normally when you have feedback calls, you you have like a meeting and then yeah, again feedback and then you'd speak like a whole hour about how bad you are with your manager. And instead, if you get like from your colleague direct di direct feedback, hey, I would do this better, I would do this better, okay, and then you go immediately immediately into the next call with your like yeah. feedback. I think that's that's a great way how to learn, and also it's like um, GDPR compliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way so, better as well. What what would you say was your funniest experience when you were doing outbound sales or cold calling? Yeah, I would say. Uh... Shout out to my old colleague at my old company, Toby. Um, he had the same kind of calling approach or calling talk track, let's say, to two different uh, yeah, prospects. First prospect shouted at him, said he should quit his job and what sales is and, and, that, uh, and so on, right? And the second guy instantly booked a meeting and I think he even closed that deal then. So that was, uh, that was a, probably the most funniest situation. <laughs> yeah, that's like how how close success and 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 failure are probably sometimes. And yeah. my last question is: What advice would you give someone who is just starting maybe their journey in in cold outbound sales or generally as an SDR, um, particularly maybe in the tech industry? Yeah, I would say I would give uh, two different ones. So first of all, if you're like be aware if you're in a good company or if you're not in a good company, because if you aren't in a good company, that will it, like that will hold you back so much. You don't have the right knowledge. You don't have the right product. You're you're going to get paid less, right? All of that stuff. So check out maybe the website review.com where you see which are the best paying and also the most successful and so on. Like you see from the sales perspective, which companies are good um, in the tech industry. Um, so first of all, that, because if you're in the right company, uh, it's going to be way easier and you're going to grow faster your career, way faster. Um, second advice I would give about cold calling or about, yeah, then just like don't give up, like be, be really persistent, be really consistent, detach yourself a bit from the outcome, also of the outcome of uh, one quarter. Maybe you have a bad quarter, maybe you have a good one, um, but try to understand why you had a bad quarter, why you had, why, why certain things went good or went shit in, in cold calling, let's say, and also try to be strategic, like challenge your people it, because usually cold call, let's say, uh, when you're an SDR, you cold call for an enterprise account executive. So for your colleague, understand if they are doing things right and challenge them or help them get better because you usually work with multiple EAs and you see certain patterns, you see people who are better, you see people who are doing worse and, and you can give them feedback and you should challenge them. It's your, your job. Maybe no one tells you that that's your job, but it's your job to make them more successful. And this is going beyond just calling people and, and telling them how much meetings you did this week. So be aware of all those things. And uh, yeah. 
then the way you're gonna be be good good to go i guess thank you so much